Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and otherwise, and welcome to a very patriotic episode of the Daily Brain Bleed. My name is Jeff. My name is Tucker, and yes, indeed, we are coming to you on the day of our nation's independence, the 4th of July. And so, as a result, we are not talking about Independence Day, the <laughs> film, which uh, would have been possibly a good thing. Well, you know what? Um, we're talking about another movie about alien invasions, and before we even really get into the movie that we did review, I, I will just say that if we're talking about this genre of film, Independence Day is like better. And I don't even think it's a particularly good movie, but it's like... It's no, I, hard. I, th- I think you mispronounced Battle L.A., um, <laughs> as the best alien invasion earth defense movie uh, ever, including Pacific Rim. Yeah. Um, no, it's funny that we should be doing this on the 4th of July, um, because in our area, everyone did the Independence Day stuff, the parades, the cookouts, the fireworks, all that kind of stuff yesterday, because the thing is, rednecks love both America and Jesus, and... They didn't want, you know, one to be muscling in on another, so they just devoted one day of the weekend to that and the other day to going to church. You know, and that's a surprising separation of church and state that you will not see from that particular demographic well, I mean, any other time of year. It, it, separation just in the sense of, like, you know, there's only so many hours in a day to do all the stuff that you want to do, right? Um, just go to church in your... Uh, you know, your American flag overalls. I mean, they probably do that, you know. Set off gen- fireworks in the chapel. And you know what? I'm honestly not going to be uh, hating on these people too much. They're already kind of society's acceptable sure, and easy sure. target right now. Um, I just, What did you do for um, not Independence Day yesterday? For, um, for Independence Day Eve, yes. I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I did a parade. It was a 4th of July parade. I saw your dad, actually. Yes, my dad was in the parade. The thing is, I actually showed up yesterday. I parked at the St. Dominic School parking lot, and I sure. was walking over. And then I realized, you know what? They just cut the grass, and my allergies are acting up, and I didn't bring sunscreen. I didn't bring a chair. You know what? I'm going to just not do this and um no disrespect to you no disrespect to my parents no disrespect to anyone it's just um and in fact actually uh that proved to be a very good decision on my part because i went uh antique hunting and i found someone who paid several hundred dollars for my antique smurfs collection so what more is what, what's a better celebration of America truly than that brand of capitalism? Just two guys with a handshake deal haggling <laughs> over stuff, you know. So, I would like to think that I celebrated in perhaps the truest way to America's spirit. Um, absolutely, and also in perhaps one of the most unique and niche ways that I've ever heard to celebrate Independence Day. Um, it was actually, um, it was actually. A place in Bloomingdale, which occasionally does antique stuff. I, you know, it's, it's something a uh, cowboy or uh, it's this building that used to be like a school, like down the road. The the Hogwild from... Saloon. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lady got shot there. Well, not there, but like close by there. Yeah, no, there there was a lot of stuff uh, that happened. We're actually gonna do like an aside episode of this pod at one point where we deep dive the Hogwild and everything <laughs> that happened legally and criminally. The um, sordid underground occult history of. <laughs> well, and then the motel behind it, right? Because that yes. still exists yes. in name. 
Um, yes. I'm sure this is an incredibly engaging episode for people who... <laughs> hey, local jokes get local work. Yes, so. yes, yes. Um, no, but uh, yeah, the thing is about these Smurfs is that my mom got them in West Germany in like the 70s and 80s. She went there a couple times. Okay. And so it actually said on the bottom of the foot of a bunch of these produced in like West Germany or like W Germany. And the fact that West Germany is not a country that exists anymore makes them, you know, valuable if you're a collector for that kind of stuff. So yeah, if, you're, went, if you're a big West Germany fan, uh, like West <laughs> Germany football club. Yeah, no, but the guy that I, uh, the guy that I uh, was dealing with, um, he had a bunch of comic books and toys and model kits and all that kind of stuff. And it was really interesting to look at what he had. And one thing that a lot of these guys like to do is collect old political paraphernalia, like different sure, sure. buttons, v- various different causes. So when I say what I'm going to say, don't assume it speaks to the guy's politics because it, again, he had a bunch of different things, but he had like a button that said, and I'm guessing this was either from the era of the 1967 war the Six Day War or the Seventy Three War, it, it um what it said to hell mit the Arabs, and my get why did it say mit? You know, I, I could show you the picture. Like I will sh- act like yeah, I'll show you the picture. It's like the the it, that so was mit like, like like mitten. Well, no mit m i t like the um the, the what I could add a stretch. Maybe he was implying that, well, whoever made the buttons were implying that because they were invading Israel, they were like Nazis. Like, you see this? And like, and I, I genuinely and, could and he, not tell you what that means. And, and see, but he has a bunch of other different, like, to hell with, to hell with the boss. I don't know who the boss is in this context, but like, to hell with Khrushchev and uh, New York Giants and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, um, again, why Mitt? And I. <laughs> Is it, mit a substitution for with and maybe well, some sort of colloquial? Well, that's or, what I was getting at. Like, mit is with in German. And for that uh, reason. But wouldn't it mit, be mit der or something? I don't Yeah, speak. I, I know. It's a stretch, right? It's already <laughs> a stretch to begin with. And I'm like, yeah. So you get all, you see all kinds of goofy stuff. I don't want this, my sharing this to necessarily reflect my opinions on the Arabs, the Arabs or, or Israel yeah. or, or anyone. I'm just talking about, you know, all the, again, you can collect. These, this kind of stuff without and so and so let's spend the next 40 minutes really getting <laughs> a deep dive into palestine and, and uh, all that stuff um absolutely I would not rather cut my toes off i uh, i would rather take a one-way plane ride to palestine and try to explain it to somebody there than my podcast oh yes so. um i believe that if they were to listen to the daily brain blade over there it would cause peace in the middle east to happen because they would all just hate our podcast so much they would unite sometimes all you really need is the unifying enemy in this scenario and that that can be us that can be our brand of comedy is a strong word um (laughs) our brand of saying things that might be funny to small groups of people i'm laughing (laughs) so Um, let's let's talk about the tomorrow war a little bit because we in the the preliminary discussion before this podcast, which was shorter than usual today, w- was basically just both of us saying completely opposite takes on everything concerning the film. Well, we didn't dive into the film that much, but... Just all uh, of the surface level but, stuff, we were both kind of like, oh, huh. So this is a movie that dropped on Amazon a few days ago, and the basic premise is... 
And, and, and at face value, it's kind of convoluted. And in my opinion, it kind of is, or at least it doesn't handle it very well. But the point is, it's a movie about, it features Chris Pratt, and he's like this um, science teacher who's like um, ex-Special Forces, and he's just living his suburban American life. But then time travelers from the future come to America in the present and say that, the world is being invaded by aliens years down the line, so we need re- to recruit people from the, from pre- the past. Yes, to fight the war in, in the, the future. future. Which, okay, uh, is, is there a, is there a, actually just a lesson here about passing your generation's issues on to the next generation, except in reverse? Uh, maybe, maybe. So, can I take out a loan from the industrial, <laughs> like the industrial revolution, <laughs> to like help me now with like student debt or something? If, That's if, kind of the equivalent. If you can figure out time travel, you know, go for it, right? Um, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and find Carnegie and be like, listen, bud, <laughs> stuff's gonna get real rough in 2020. <laughs> um. So. Yes. Um, before we dive into it, let's just lay our cards on the table. Uh, Jeff, I think you like this film a little bit better than I did. I, I give it a solid six out of ten because it, you know, th- there are certain things that it had to do in order to just be worth anything at all. And I feel like it did those things very well. And that, like, when you see the white spikes, they're horrifying and yes. very well wrought. Um, when you have like some of the plot devices and like some of the time travel stuff, it kind of functions at a base level. It doesn't, but it kind of does. And so like enough of my itches got scratched that I was like, you know what? I'll take two hours of this. Cause it's at least a pseudo interesting concept. The, the concept is interesting. Um, but as I said, it's convoluted and oh, yeah. it's the first bit of the the first first like fourth of the movie is not designed in a way that lessens that uh, or makes it less uh, more bearable. <laughs> it's like the comparison that forced was forced to my mind was the Terminator. And especially if you've seen the first movie and if you somehow went in fresh on the on the face of it the concept is similarly convoluted in the sense that like there's a war between man and machine in the future and the various factions are sending um their agents back to the past to try to influence events in the future like on the face of it it's a way t- it is kind of complicated but the beginning of that movie, you deal with the life of the protagonist, Sarah Connor. Um, you learn who she is as a character in an interesting way, but you also um, see Arnold Schwarzenegger and everyone just like being sent and Kyle Reese being sent back in time and they're dealing with their own things. And you, you already kind of have some buy into the concept with some of the action and such before they do the exposition dump. Whereas here, the first 30 minutes are like exposition and it's, it's a solid aside from a very brief prologue at the beginning there it's a solid 36 minutes until you get to the action in earnest and this is a two-hour movie and it it, it did not need to be that long i don't think no absolutely not i mean i think i think in order to tell the story that was in the mind's eye of the writer's room you would have needed that much screen time again in my opinion to like really flesh it out and get in there but it would have needed a more gratifying payoff and a less convoluted way of introduction. Like a lot of that exposition dump, which I didn't find as offensive as you did. 
um, could have very well been interwoven between other things and just the pacing could have been done better. I, uh, mm-hmm. I agree in that point. But at the same time, I found that like the first mission that they do, um, like in the initial after the exposition dome, the Miami they, Beach. Yeah, they get dropped in Miami and you see people just falling out of the sky and just breaking on buildings and mm-hmm. stuff, which is just gruesome and wonderful. The folly work there is incredible. Um, you know, that mission was great. I loved everything about it, and it was just a very thrilling sequence for me. But, I Go ahead. But then, like, you know, when you start getting into some of the subsequent things where it's like, oh, we have to research the toxin, oh, we have to... And then the last mission out in the present in Russia was just nothing. Absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> Hated it so much. I, I won't deny that some of the visuals were cool and even, like, actually creepy in parts. Like, when you, you see them approaching, like, the scientists in the first mission, and they've all been tied up by the monsters, and they're, you know, going to yeah, eat them yeah, later. Yeah. Um, this is going to be, like, kind of a weird critique for me, but it's worth making, because as much as much effort as they put into, like trying to figure out a complicated plot line for the movie. I, I find it interesting that I think more and more, and we could like actually substantively look at this and see if this is actually the case, but this strikes me as a truish thing that I'm saying, a true-ish thing that I'm saying. It's that um, Hollywood is relying more and more on aliens in these movies that really don't have any sort of advanced civilization, but they're like a mindless horde of creatures that somehow find earth. Right. And then invade, like there's the the big iconic example of this in pop culture, obviously is like alien, right. With the xenomorphs. And then you have the film version, not the book version of starship troopers. And these are both things that I like, but then there's this movie, there's like The Quiet Place, there's Cloverfield, there's Pacific Rim, another movie that I like. And it's I, it feels like a little bit of a dodge to me and a little like because it kind of um, it, it means that they don't have to like really fully flesh out an interesting alien threat. And it's like, OK, these are, are essentially just monsters. They're just that, world yeah, eaters. They, yeah. And it's like, well, and so they, they at least tried here with like when they go in to the spaceship that crash landed in Russia mm-hmm. or wherever. And, uh, you know, they find like these aliens and they're like, oh, hang on. These aren't white spikes. And you find out that the white spikes like they were being transported as some type of like intentionally biologically created Mm-hmm. world threat like okay that like it makes sense it's not filling to me it's like going to a restaurant and then just getting the soup and then being like yeah okay cool i'm done it it wasn't everything that i needed it to be but it was it was there it was functional it's just you know we have kind of a weird way of depicting alien life in film now and i just felt the need to put that out there yeah, obviously no, for sure, for if sure. you wanted to do like hard science fiction uh when you did an alien invasion story and like actually dealt with a civilization capable of traveling between solar systems and such, uh, they wouldn't even like need to leave their spaceship to destroy us. They, yeah. like there would be no fight. that or like the, the weird tie in where it's like, Oh, the reason that this is happening is because the polar ice caps are melting. It's like, okay. It's like, I see you, I understand you, but like, 
I, I guess. I don't know. I, I, I was definitely a little vulnerable to that message, given that most of my Twitter feed has been like, hey, the ocean's on fire in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest is 120 degrees. It, like, that sucks. The, the image of that vortex of fire in the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> that short 20-minute <laughs> clip, was a more compelling science fiction disaster movie uh, to me than And that this. was on CNN. Yeah, so... <laughs> so um, yeah, no, um, I don't have a lot to say about the film as such. I, I, I guess, I don't know. Um, this I'm, movie more so for me sparks like three or four small uh, tributary conversations, if you will, about right. like some tropes and some ideas. And we talked about that at least a little bit beforehand. But I do at least want to passingly mention that... Um, you know, Chris Pratt, very serviceable performance here. Sure. Much more believable for me than a lot of stuff that I've seen him in. He's kind of getting typecasted a lot in like this wholesome father-esque kind of thing. And I think he can do it well. Mm -hmm. J.K. Simmons with a bunch of facial hair was really funny. Mm -hmm. um, Sam Richardson, some fun, you know, like comic relief, I guess. There's one specific scene that I was like, okay, they did not need to act this as well as they did. And it might just be my personal opinion, but the scene between Chris Pratt and his future daughter, where they're talking about how he died in a car crash and she watched him in the ICU and stuff like that did not need to be right. <laughs> like this notebook level scene on a beach but it was and it was very gratifying in a way that i wasn't expecting from this film i like chris pratt well enough i think he's like kind of jason momoa in the sense that i watched both of them kind of take an improbable star turn from you know tv roles into now they're in like sure. big superhero franchises and everything and i'm not like a chris pratt stan but at the same time i'm not one of these people who like have this weird fixation on hating uh chris pratt you, you, there's like this sort of person who exists on social media and near as i can figure it just kind of boils down to he has all the tropes of kind of the people that we were talking about earlier the god guns redneck type guy well, like I mean, he, he also has expressly supported some very conservative causes which again you know what whatever you know but. it's like uh I, at the end of the day, you know, you can't have every celebrity in the world being like a clone of some kid who went to Vassar last year. You're going to you have know? different it, types of people uh, in Hollywood. And I like and it's not like he's shoving it down anyone's throat or anything. Uh, I, I think maybe the more substantive critique of him as a person would be the rumors of him cheating on his ex-wife but i don't want it i don't want uh, this isn't a gossip uh, podcast <laughs> it's whatever we want it to be it can be i mean unless I'm you not. unless the the listeners overwhelmingly agree that it should be a gossip podcast <laughs> i'm um, just thinking like yeah no this isn't a gossip podcast unless <laughs> i mean hey we've said it before we'll say it again anything that will put dollars in the pocket we are willing to do of course. we will we will come on this pod and gargle listerine for 45 minutes right. straight but but even then people don't necessarily bring this up with the other guys who've had similar scandals oh, yeah, in the no, past it's, like it's 100 percent just targeted at like i am mad at this dude for being a conservative and so blah blah blah, blah and not blah. even like a hardcore like conservative activist just like a basic guy who comes from middle america and doesn't renounce as much as liberals would like to i was like, about to say probably you know? probably like closetedly voted for biden in 2020 because he just couldn't deal with trump anymore kind of like he's a very centrist leaning right guy sure, sure. and we all know this person in real life even those of us from more liberal places and it's just like eh. 
you know, it's it's not it's not like we're putting fucking uh, like Alex Jones in the star role for this movie, which again would have been better. It would have been interesting. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, the government approaches him at the beginning and says, "Alex, um, we got to level with you. You were right about everything, <laughs> but now." <laughs> But now aliens are invading, and you, for some reason, are the only man who could... This is exactly the movie that he would produce was, if he had $100 million. This is... The amount of overlap here is actually quite startling. If you take out... um, What is it? If you take out White Spikes and put in lizard people... <laughs> like, this is literally just Alex Jones writing fanfic about himself. Not lizard people. I think what he was He's moved wor- on worried to. about was... Um, the Chinese government engineering human-animal hybrids that are going to be used in some future war between the United States. Did you just say future war? (laughs) Tomorrow war? Hang on. (laughs) It's all coming together. Uh, You know what? Honestly, now that you say that, this is a whole conversation I had in my head that um, I'll have to say now, which is that I read the Hollywood trades and like Variety and Hollywood Reporter and everything, and... When I first read about this project and I saw, oh, um, The Tomorrow War was going to go into production with Chris Pratt and it was going to be this uh, sci-fi war movie and everything, my first reaction, it's like one of those things where you read it, um, but your brain processes something different because it already has a preconceived notion in its head. Sure. My first thought, I saw The the Tomorrow War and and my first thought was, oh, they're making a movie about... Um, the Forever War, which is a book, and this might be biased because my bias at play because it would be so much cooler if they actually made a movie, uh, based on the Forever War. It was it's a seminal work of military science fiction, um, from uh, sometime in the early seventies, and it was written by this fellow who was a Vietnam vet who came back, and it has a, it's huh. in a lot of ways it's similar to. Um, Starship Troopers, just in the sense that like it deals with you know your average grunt fighting this interplanetary war between these two species. Um, there's also it's, there's not exactly a time travel element, but because of the massive effects of time dilation that come with interstellar travel, you have these guys who are fighting this war that's from their perspective just a few years because they're traveling all throughout the galaxy, but on Earth it's literally hundreds and thousands of years, sure. right? And so um, as he, at the beginning, he's fighting the war and, you know, the earth and its culture are basically what he recognizes. But then as the war progresses, he starts to see reinforcement. It's, and, it's fr- and he quickly realizes that, oh, gee, it's a future where the culture of the world has just changed so much because he, and, you know, these are, you know, Bear in mind, it was written in the early 70s, but I don't think it's, like, super problematic because he notices that his new recruits, they're all, like, racially mixed, right, in the sense, like, it's a future where there are no more sure, racial distinctions. and just very homogenized. They, they have a, a language and, like, cultural references that he doesn't get. And to fight overpopulation, there's, like, actually... Um, uh, state mandated homosexuality right and everyone is somewhere on like the lgbt uh, <laughs> spectrum okay that's and, not a swing you would expect to see um and and again this isn't so much meant to be like offensive or it, it, i mean you can argue whether it is offensive in the year of our lord 2021 but it's it's it what he's trying to underline is like it's a metaphor for um how when troops in were sent to relatively short uh, tours of duty in Vietnam in the late 60s or in the early 70s, 
um, because America was changing so much socially at the time when they got back home, they, they felt like yeah. it was in a totally different world. Like they just missed a, you know, a relatively short period of time, but then it changed so much. So this is just like the next logical extrapolation of that. Like, um, a uh, you know a guy who's just been fighting in this war for a relatively short period of time, but Earth has just so radically changed. And I won't give off like the whole plot because it's actually a really good book, and I do think it would make a good movie if you know they figured out how to do it for twenty twenty one sensibilities. Not least because we've kind of been having some other forever wars going on for the past few decades in the United States. So the actual topic is good, and so it's like that comparison between the tomorrow war and the forever war was in my head just the very first time I knew that this was going to happen as a movie. And I'm like, ah, they should have done the forever war. <laughs> they, I, they, they should have done the forever war. Well, I'll tell you in, in as much difficulty as they had telling this story, I don't want to see what would have happened if they had attempted, uh, the forever war because <laughs> my Lord, some intricacies there to have, uh, well, to have been wrought fine. But again, you can do almost any different concept. Well, there is a world where, Oh yeah, no, did, no, 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 for sure. I'm just saying like, if, you, if you had an equivalent outcome mm-hmm. with that plot line, I think the film would have been holistically worse. <laughs> well, but it's like you, you, bigger swings mean bigger misses, bigger and misses and bigger hits when they connect, you know, so, high risk, high reward. Um, the other, we, Oh, Go ahead. I was going to say, so just in talking about like, um, you know, the war vets and Vietnam and stuff like that, there are a couple of plot lines in the um, in the movie about like, you know, I think J.K. Simmons as uh, Chris Pratt's dad talked about mm-hmm. like, you know, get, coming back from Nam, I believe, or right. another war and just having like a bunch of PTSD and stuff like that. And uh, when you see the um, they take they make a point to show veterans from this war and how it's like 30 percent come back alive. And those that do are like basically husks, like completely irredeemably messed up from what they saw on the other side. Right. And that, w- that was just a nice little touch of world building. I felt like mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, yes, we are going to show war as an atrocity and like how just jacked up. Sure. Stuff can get. Sure. Which is great. I get that they. um <sighs> I guess they kind of justified it in the movie itself, but you know, it was a decision that they made and I don't know why, what it added to the first action scene, which I honestly thought was largely pretty good. Um, and everything else to, um, have like a bunch of fat schlubs (laughs) as part of like, (laughs) it's like, uh, um, okay. Like they didn't just come out and say that they were meant to be, just cannon fodder but like they could have just done that i it it was a it was a weird kind of like thing where like the first um way these these soldiers they were not like you know the best of the best of the best they were literally just a demographic cross-section of america today of just like random people and it just it, it was it was it felt a little weird well so not... it the the stipulation was anybody that they sent to the future had to have already been dead yes. by that point yes and yes. so they were intentionally picking older people and so i, I feel see, like that explains and at I least said, a little bit i see bit. what they were getting at. i like I, they justified it within the world building but the point is they chose the world building yeah and yeah, they yeah, could yeah. have like they could have done it differently like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah and i think you know it 
it was it, it was it was unintentionally comical at times like when you saw like the fat guy fall off the ledge and it's like well what'd you expect by sending him into this war you know um i'm not fat phobic i am fat <laughs> I, I recognize that the same thing would probably happen to me if we if you thrust me tomorrow without any real training into like this high concept sci-fi conflict um, I also just as a weird aside for myself, seeing uh, another one of these throwaway characters that dies very early on is and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. So whatever, come tweet at me. Mary Lynn Rajskub, Rajskub, I don't know how to say that, but she played uh, Chloe in 24 for a long time. And so seeing her in this, I was just like, oh, ha, mm-hmm. I recognize this person. That was it. That's the story. <laughs> um, yeah, good, good, good for you. Um, Betty Gilpin, who played um, Chris Pratt's wife. She was in Glow, and um, she kind of looks like Italic Scarlett Johansson. Oh, just like, do, do you I, see what I'm saying? I, I guess like I see if what you you're like saying. as a font. If you okay, maybe I, I, I thought you like like my first reaction was like <laughs> you were trying to suggest she was a Italian, slight, a slightly more Italian version <laughs> of. Which that's how uh, I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna describe Italian people from now. Oh, they're Italic. Well, well, see, Italic is actually a term, but it's like applied to the ancient language of languages, family of languages from which Latin arose and then became like the only example thereof, and which then further differentiated into the Romance languages. So. Um, that exists. I mean, it, it didn't make much sense, but my, it, it made a little bit more sense. No offense than the italic version. I want to talk about something that this movie, like that while I was watching it, I just sat there and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And it was the difficulty with which Chris Pratt's character talks about having to leave the future to go back to the past to stop this horrible, awful future from having happening because it means that this version of his daughter that he's bonded with will not exist. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm not going to leave you here to die. And it's like, you don't exist. There's like weird paradoxical thinking in this that just doesn't make any sense Is, to me. Isn't that part of the plot line for Avengers Endgame? Like the reason that they didn't just go into the past and erase the series of events, but rather engineered it so that all of the people who were snapped away by Thanos just appeared back again was because Tony Stark did not want to um, erase his daughter from existence with Gwyneth Paltrow. That's a big oof. Um, um, and also makes his death subsequently much less sad. I, it worked. It did. <laughs> it worked. It did. This, so, but you know. I hadn't thought about it in that context specifically. Um, um, yeah, no. So, I mean, I just, I found that angle a little weird just in that like you know okay cool we're, we're comparing apples and oranges i guess but it's like hi you're literally stopping the end of the world my guy and the suffering that she might experience at the hands of you leaving literally will not exist it is substance it's like a zero-sum game entirely so like what is the problem um utilitarian ethics uh he I, was in special ops he knows this yeah, i know he's been trained for this i I'm know just, but like you know American audiences can't accept this kind of like thinking of the world of, you know, you have to make this sort of sacrifices. You know, we want to have it all. We want to be able to 
uh, save everyone that we can. But so it's not actually to, a sacrifice. Yeah, she I, could still go to MIT. Yeah, but you, you take the point. Yes, like, you know, yes, that's yes, yes, yes. we 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 don't want to think of it in that way. So whatever. And honestly, he stands to gain a lot from this because he won't leave his family and die in a car crash. Like if you're Chris Pratt, you're like, do I want to go back to the past and not do that? Hell yes, I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think he would benefit from 5% hedonism. Uh, uh, well, you know, uh, you should write. The, uh, <laughs> I'm going to write the day after war. <laughs> I was going to say, you should literally write Chris Pratt, not the writer, not the producer, not the director, but him be like, so your character, I'm not going to lie. Um, I take issue with well, some of the things when that- he jumps into the giant pile of white spikes after his daughter, like had he just calculated in his head how long the fall would take? Because if he fell into that, the world is doomed. Mm -hmm. Like what is you're jeopardizing the existence of humanity over. I'm not really arguing with you. I I understand that. I'm just mad about it. I I, I get it. Like you, you are right. I think it's just that uh, this is a movie that is, it's fun. Other people have pointed this out and it's true. It is. It was originally intended for a theatrical release. It sure. was. It, and I think it. Um, it shows it because it's not really meant to withstand all this, uh, scrutiny. You know, yeah. it's it's supposed to be like a big dumb action movie, and I might have even enjoyed it more had I been in a theater with some friends. Yeah, just sure. watching. In a lot of ways, it really is a throwback to like a pre-franchise era of like star plus concept, and that's how you make your big blockbuster yeah, yeah. movies. But um, no, it's interesting because it's like um, Paramount has been selling off like a bunch of their movies recently to um amazon to just release them there was this there was the coming to america sequel with eddie murphy there's that really bad michael b jordan um tom clancy movie (laughs) without remorse these were all not like amazon originals they were produced by paramount and sold to them and you could say oh this is a pandemic thing but interestingly enough it's like paramount has been playing this game even slightly longer than the pandemic as you'll recall the most recent Cloverfield movie was just released straight to Netflix with, and you can see why, because it was like really bad. It was like sure. the Cloverfield paradox was such a bad movie. Um, no. Um, <laughs> and it's weird. Cause now they're trying to set up their own streaming service. And really all they have is like up uh, as big selling points are like the new Star Trek shows and like Nickelodeon for your kids. So that yeah, yeah, Paramount Plus, it's it's lonely up on that mountain, y'all. Uh, Very lonely. <laughs> it 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 exists to make Peacock feel good about itself. It exists so that Apple Plus subscribers will consider staying subscribed to Apple Plus. Yes. Um, um I also just want to say, you know, because my my whole rant with that and that uh like me having an issue with that is just a deeper seated thing with me and time travel in writing and media and stuff and that is that i am really not a big fan of it just in general mm-hmm. nine times out of ten any story that includes time travel would be better served by just literally any other plot device mm-hmm. because time travel is just so damn messy and like when you start to introduce it as a concept if it does not live in a 100 percent vacuum sealed box it ruins the entire thing that it touches because it invalidates like, like temporal consistency is so important to our experience and understanding of narrative that when you fuck with that, the whole thing falls apart. 
I, I think time travel could work as a concept if you had a show that was like a theoretical, like infinite budget of like you could just have the protagonists one week go hang out with dinosaurs and the next with Romans and the next they were in the future fighting aliens with like little in the little because it would be a fun way to explore all that kind of stuff. It's just everyone wants to get really hung up on. Um, uh, they think that the 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 logical consistency inconsistencies posed by time travel are something that you need to explore rather than try to ignore, which there are some like really intelligent science fiction writers who have actually done this, but your average hack writing your middle brow, um, action movie like this is not one of those guys, you know, it's so it's, it's, uh, it's how it like because there is some good uh, there's i think a lot of good fiction that actually deals with time travel but it's like when you try to sell it to the masses the uh, it's either it's only usually good because it's good for other reasons and so good that it makes you forget about like back to the future love it love it (laughs) um so i don't care that it doesn't you know that it yeah sure sure doesn't fully think whereas you know, whatever. Um, Do you know a movie that had fun with that in a really interesting way that I liked a lot? Uh, Looper. Looper also doesn't work if you think about it. No, it it doesn't, and, but they at least like played with it in a way that was like you know okay we're acknowledging it. Uh huh. Um, still doesn't work because time travel. But I mean, you know, there are ways you could do it. Well, I just very specifically, and I don't want to be the guy who you know just nitpicks, but just something I felt very strongly about was. There was a scene where a guy goes back in time, you know, and, and like the plot of the movie, if you haven't seen it, is that if you get sent back in time, it means you were a criminal who, you know, they need a past version of yourself shoots you for complicated reasons that we're not going to get to. But the point is he escapes. Right. Uh, and this old guy, he's just on the run. And so the criminal syndicate um, to capture him, they grab the past version of himself and start torturing and mutilating him so that he slowly starts losing limbs and such because the past version of him was tortured. But like if you were sent to the past, that's no longer the past version of you because now you are in that same time period. And like the like the tangent of like the temporal tangent from the perspective of the guy being tortured, his future now is going to be inherently different from what yours is. And again, it doesn't make yeah, any it doesn't, sense. It doesn't work. But yeah. it's like, it's, it's, but it's fun. Is it? Well, in that, I like, I, <laughs> is I, I like Looper generally. It's just that scene really pissed me off. Um, sure, sure, sure. sure. And one un- of the few ways, one of the few ways I think you can, um, uh, make time travel work is to really lean into the alternate history sort of many worlds multiverse interpretation where you don't have to worry about things making things consistent so much because the assumption is is that if you go back in time and change something it just creates a new world you know so. yeah 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 there's no like interaction between whatever the other present was and the altered future that you've yes, created yeah yes and and so you know again it's that I'm I'm admitting up front, full front, that this is just a stick that's up my butt. It right. is not, you know, sourced ethically and, you know, it, it, this infallible logical thing. I just, I have an issue with it. Partially because I saw This Is Us on release and mm. it just, it so badly burned my retinas and my brain <laughs> for multilinear storytelling that I threw away my Roku <laughs> and... <laughs> 
you know, yeah. lived in a cave for three years. Yes, and that was a good choice. Um, but yeah, uh, Tomorrow War. Um, yeah, this was on this was on Amazon. Um, yeah, Amazon. A lot of their recent content has been stuff they've kind of farmed out from other studios like they have a billion 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 dollars that they're trying to use to make their own original content but right now it's like a beast that's you know very it's it's huge but it's not really fully well directed because like their big thing that's supposed to be coming out is their middle earth show right which has been in production forever and we've seen so little so far and it's been like there's no way this is going to be good. I, I frequently forget about its existence. Yeah, I, 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 they have to be hiding massive issues. script issues or some sort <laughs> of issues with it from us. Um, so just because you can have all the money in the world, it means that if you're not an established studio, I think that there are still issues that are going to prevent you from fully uh, making full use of that, which I think is part of the reason why Amazon's buying MGM, like we were talking about before. Um the Lord of the Rings project that I'm looking most forward to is um, they're doing an, uh, uh, an anime movie that's kind of like a prequel to the story of the Rohirrim in the um, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like it um, follows the story of Helm Hammerhand who built Helm's Deep. Oh, okay. Like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so sure. it's like their war with like the surrounding barbarian peoples, and it's it's like just a weird story, like, like from the appendices of. Um, Lord of the Rings, but it's like, you know what? That's fun that they're going to do an anime movie with that as the source material. That that could be cool, you know? I've been watching um, an animated series in uh, Castlevania. It's on Netflix, and it's really, really good. Mm. Uh, season three, the finale of that one is just, whoo boy, grab a tissue. And we're working, uh, me and my wife are working our way through season four right now. Good show. No, just what? speaking of animated Shows that well, tell weird specifically stories. Specifically anime, right? Yeah. Well, anime. I mean, it's 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 very in that vein. It's not like anime, like uwu Japan produced. But well, yeah, I mean, there it's are... It's in that style. There are the kind of people who will do the champagne logic of it. it can only ever be anime if it's produced in Japan. And if it's produced even like an inch outside of Japan's borders, it ceases to be anime. And it's like, okay, no, come on, guys. Um, uh, that's, that's just kind of weird. Um... Yeah, and they're also doing an anime Star Wars show, show coming mm, up. Yeah, I've, I've seen like, stuff about that. They, they've given up, I think, on actually trying to do Western animated shows with that deal with adult themes, and they've kind of and we, and we might have talked about this before, but we can only do we can only do like an anime and action show. The audience will only accept if it, if it's anime. It's like, what you gonna do? I feel like we've just screwed the pooch too many times on. Uh, the institution of American animation dealing with serious themes, but yeah, that's a personal take. Is it go off King? Uh, there's no more to be said. Okay. Just, I will I w- not elaborate. I have turned off replies to this tweet, <laughs> turned off notifications. So, uh, have fun in the mentions on that one, I guess. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot to say about <laughs> the tomorrow war. I just saw that it was, uh, released the other day and people had hot takes and I'm like, it's hard to be to imagine being this worked up over the movie. Are people worked up about it? People are worked up about it. Why? Them. Well, they're they're trying to pretend it's like the worst movie ever made. It's, it's that's not that's disingenuous. Like it's 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 not my favorite movie. I think I've been up front, but it's like fine and I think it would have been 
like slightly better under other circumstances, like if it were released in a theater. But sure, guy, come on, like this is just you're so starved for content still that we have to pretend to have these maximalist reactions to everything that comes out. Sometimes things, sometimes things can just be. They can just be whatever they are. This is a mediocre sci-fi movie. Whatever you know. Yeah, it, it's. It, this is not substantively worse than anything that I have seen released to streaming in the last six months. It, and for, for me, especially like the one thing that this movie did that I was really a big fan of is how they, they did not give you the creature initially. They made you wait for it, mm-hmm. which in a lot of movies like this, they don't do that. They're not so careful. Uh, it, I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit of restraint that the first time we actually get a glimpse of one of these things is like 50 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's not like Cloverfield level edging you where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, 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 ah! And then, you know. The, the, the creature did actually remind me of like a dwarf version of Clovey, the monster. Yeah, it, they. It, it, I, I found them very convincing. Like the, the little clicking sound that they make and the way that they're... Uh, an issue with aliens, especially like these kind of quadruped things that uh-huh. run around is that they're always so melee oriented, but these things had a ranged projectile for use. Yeah. And that made them immensely scarier. Right. Um, in my in my opinion. Just because it solved one of the main issues that's like, oh, if I build a fence, I'm safe. It's like, oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Yes, I I, I would. I, w- I would, in fact, like that. I would enjoy um, that if our planet was being invaded. I also I had a planes. moment when they were talking about, wait, how did Chinese ash wind up under this creature's claw? And I was like, careful, SpongeBob, careful, SpongeBob. Because <laughs> for a second, I thought they were going to go like Chinese causality with it. And I was like, you can't do this. <laughs> it's still too soon. <laughs> um, Are you implying that these creatures were created in, in a, a lab, lab in, in Wuhan? Wuhan? <laughs> Wait, are oh. you telling me? Fuck, we are censored in the People's Republic now. Uh, Xi Jinping, I think you're doing some really cool stuff. Please don't. Please don't ban us. <laughs> we we need that juicy gateway straight into straight into people's ear holes over there. Oh yeah. You got, bro, you totally do not look like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you heard that, right? They 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 actually uh censored Winnie the Pooh in China because people were comparing the appearance of the dear leader to him. That's good. That's good. If you ever have to ban the depiction of an animated character because you're getting dunked on, you're just a turbo nerd and you suck. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, wait, we we can, we can maybe sing like a few bars of like a generic song, but if it's a Disney song, their lawyers are going to be Ooh, after The it. DMCA, I can feel it already that was, in my that bones. That was for parody purposes only. It was parody purposes because we were referencing it in the context of a discussion about Xi Jinping and his political repression against dissident Winnie the Pooh. Right. So I don't it, think we it, could it, it is political speech, which is the highest form of speech um, according to our legal system. So you cannot shut us down for that. I want to know, like, I, I don't think we could legitimately even get a public defender for the Daily Brain Bleed. No one. No one would be like, you know what? There, I, I will defend this. They would be like, nah, bro. I will defend us in court. I will. <laughs> Your the next Honor. episode, the Daily Brain Bleed goes to court. <laughs> Your Honor, before you decide what our sentence will be, you have to at least listen to us. Just listen to our podcast, and then he does, and then we immediately get public execution. 
they're like, look, we haven't gotten the chair out in a long time, but we're dusting it off. No, they're going to like draw in quarters. <laughs> we're going way back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And by drawing quarter, we mean they're going to make us play Pictionary. <laughs> um, uh, Tomorrow War. Um, Honestly, like if you're bored and you have a group of friends and you want to watch it, give it a go. But don't think about it too much because I did and it just made me mad. Just have it be what it is. Yes. Um, um, if, uh, if you could get pulled into the future... Yes. <laughs> if if you Yes. If you in the future. Yes. Um I would um the future. I would uh, pastize the future. <laughs> what was that? Um It's the future. <laughs> it's if you met future. <laughs> if you <laughs> If you went to the White House and met Future, what, what if they pulled Future into the future? What if they pulled? What if they pulled Future into the past? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, uh, I agree. My my name is Jeff from the future. My name is Future from the past. Have a Tucker. <laughs> 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 <laughs>